Okay, I'm just going to tell you them. Okay, here's what they are. God, correct? In disagreement with that one? That's where we're going to go today. God, my spouse, and hear that, my spouse comes second, then my children, and then my job, and the reason why my job comes forth is, been, I'll break this down even more when we get there in those weeks, but it's because my job is what supports my number two. It supports my first ministry in life. My first ministry in life is Jennifer Pangman. My job supports my second ministry in life, which is my kids. So it's important. And after those four, we could sit around. Oh, after my children comes my job, like I said. And after that, I think we have a ton of freedom and we can sit here and we can split hairs over them. And I actually like to do that. So if you want to like debate like five, six, seven, and eight, you can let me know and we'll just do it later on or something instead of jumping on the bounce house and eating cotton candy. But, but I believe these are the four that we start with. Um, and, and, and I want you to hear the next words that come, come out of my mouth. I really believe that this sermon series uh, can change your life. I believe this sermon series can give you a different direction, some peace, and some relief. I believe it can be a guide for you as you move forward and live life. I believe growing up, we've we've done something with with young people. Um, I believe we grew up teaching them how to live life as if life was a science project. And what I mean by that is this, that we expect people to grow up and learn by a system of trial and error. And there's a little bit of, 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 of truth to that, but there's a whole lot of, of unfulfilled knowledge that could go into that. You can live life through with some trial and error, but what's your base? What are you coming back to? I believe this is what the scriptures say we come back to. So with that, as we start this sermon series, I want you to think about what is most important to us. And I want to say one more thing about this. One more thing before I even get started. Your actions, your lifestyle, your confessions, no, your lifestyle, what you do, confesses to that which is what is most important to you. So it's one thing to say it, but I promise you it's another thing when we live it out and practice it, okay? So it's easy to say God's most important and then my wife and then my kids and then my job and then it's another thing for me to have six things that I've put in front of those in actions. So one more thing as we get started. Andrew and I was sitting around we're talking like well, what's the theme verse? Like how do we do this? And, and, and like, like, like and, and we, we, we settle upon this verse and it comes from Proverbs and, and it's Proverbs 4 verse 7. Um, and I hope you can find it because I just realized I put some of these in the wrong order up there for you. So maybe go back one slide. Um, and this, it says, this is what Proverbs 4, 7 says. If you don't get this, you're missing it. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. <laughs> it's not any, you can't get much easier. When you think about what you think is most important to you in your life, start to develop a plan to live that out the way that God's calling you to live it out. So with that, let's pray, and then we're going to read our text for today, okay? 
Uh, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word to us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, which, which speaks to our hearts and our minds and our souls. And Lord, may, may you convict us of these things, but may you also remind us of the grace that you give us when we mess these things up. Because we will, and because we do. So Lord, we thank you and, and, and ask you to bless this time we spend together this morning. In your name we pray, amen. We're going to be reading from Exodus chapter five or 20, verses 1 through 5, um, and here we go. It says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, or out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a, a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth below, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Okay? There we go. The text that we're looking at today is when Moses is on a mountain, and God is speaking to him, and he's speaking to Aaron, and he's giving them the Ten Commandments, and he's going to take these Ten Commandments, and he's going to go, and he's going to give them to the people um, that, that, that have vowed to worship him. And, and now I want you to hear something about the Ten Commandments. When we look at them, it's kind of weird because we look at it and we often say the Ten Commandments, and when we say it, it sounds kind of weird that, that we would say God is commanding us to love him, right? Like, that just sounds forced. And, and, and part of the reason for that is because when we translate this, we translate the word command, but Jewish people don't. They, they, they translate it this way, and I'm not going to tell you the Hebrew word because I, I listened to it about 40 times and I couldn't still say it. So, so but here's what the word is, it says. It's, it's, it's a God's word to you, okay? So the, the 10 words to you, the 10 spoken words, okay? Um, and, and, the fir- and we're looking at this first one. And it says, you shall have no other gods before me. And this is important because it says, it says, and where does we start this? It says, and God spoke all these words. And, 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 and every time I hear when, when God spoke, it takes me back to something. And, and we can, yes, great, you're already there. And I want you to look at this. And it says, and God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. And God said, let there be expansion. And what happened? There was expansion. And this kind of keeps going on. And, and then and it happens six more times. But my point here is that when God speaks, the heavens and the earth listen and hear his words and they obey him. But something's different when God speaks to us. We struggle with this. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But it's funny how the earth and the heavens obey him and yet we struggle with it. And it's the first thing that he says to us. Now, not just as God speaks, but he also declares who he is, and he also declares what he has done. I am the Lord your God. I am Yahweh. He is one. He is the one who has delivered us out of slavery um, at the end of, or delivered the Jewish people out of, or Israel out of slavery in Gen- Genesis. He is the one that freed them. He is reminding them of that which um, he has done for them. And when he speaks, he wants them to listen. He wants them to, to know this, and he wants them to confess it. And they did. And right after he delivered them out of Egypt, we see this. They're, they're, they're exiting Egypt, and we get into the Exodus, and they're, and they're singing songs to him. 
They're singing songs with their mouth. But it doesn't take long for them to forget all that he has done for them and move on to, to other things. Then he says, you shall have no other gods before me. I wonder, I was thinking about this this week, why do you think we struggle with this so much? What is it? Why do you think we struggle so much with not putting anything else in front of God? Is it because we're selfish? Is it because we want what we want? Is it because we want what we want when we want it? Yeah, right? God is telling us to place him first. Nothing is to mean more to us. We are to love him more than anything. We are to want nothing more than him, but we struggle with this greatly. I do. Is, is, is anything more simple than the words he says there? Hey, put me first. Love me. What he's really saying is, and, and, and we'll get to this as we close up here, love me the way that I love you. We're in a lopsided relationship with God. And we're not the only ones who struggles. We can look at the Israelites and how they start to grumble against God, but we can go back even further and look at, look at some of the words that we see in Genesis chapter 2, which should be up there. The Lord God took the man and he placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of, of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat it you shall surely die. Think about everything that God gives us, and this is how we usually act. Everything that is given to us, we, we take and we use, but then there's always something that's a little bit more on the outside that we want. And Adam and Eve are no different. And as surely as, 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 as God says these words to, to Adam and then to Adam and Eve, it says in Genesis chapter 3, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And again, I say, why do we struggle placing God first? Why do we struggle putting his ways first? Because life has things in it that we want and they become appealing to our eyes, and we, and we go for them. Let me ask you a question this morning. What's the desire of your eye? What, what, what is it you place above God? What is it that is right in front of you that you can see with your eyes, process in your mind, long for in your heart, that you are willing to demote God for, and in doing so, worship something else? Do you know what it is? Money? For some, yeah. Yeah. It's all the things that we mentioned above, all the things that he blesses us with and gifts to us. And it's funny because what happens when we do that, we, we end up, uh, let me give you one. I was talking to this, this one lady one day and I just met her randomly and all of a sudden we started talking and, 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 and she asked me, well, what's, your, what, what, what's your first priority in life? And I thought it was a weird question and I, I just said, because people don't usually ask you that. And I just told her, God, God, by far. And she, and she just looked at me and she said, I believe in God, but he's not my number one priority. And I said, oh, what is? And she said, my kids. I said, oh. Do you think God knows your kids? She's like, yeah. Do you think God created your kids? Yeah, absolutely. 
So you believe God's the giver? He gave those kids to you. He gifted them to you. And she said, yes. And I said, so you love the gift more than the giver. And she just looked at me. And, and isn't that kind of weird? It's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a rich uncle you go to and you're always asking for money, but you really don't love the uncle. You love what? The fruits of the uncle. And this is what we do. Those things that we mention aren't bad, but they're bad when we love them more than we love God and when we place God below the things that are perishable. And you know what the hard part about this is for me? Here's what I think. I think most times when I demote God, I don't even see it happening. It's so subtle. It's, 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 it's almost accidental. You know, it's, it's, it's like this... this, this Slippery slope that gradually, gradually, I just start to replace them. Because I didn't do it deliberately. If somebody were to walk up to me and say, what's your number one priority in life? I'd say God. But, but like, is it? You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, when you have a job and your, your, your job that you want and, and you start to interview for the job and then, you know, you all, we always do, we'll, we'll, we'll pray and we'll say something like, God, if, if you just give me this job, I'll, I'll, and then we'll put off a couple of things after that we'll follow it up with that are lies and we don't really mean. But we'll say we'll do something in response and then we get the job and then we start to give more hours to the job, and then we, it, it controls us, and then we, and we place that job above our relationship with God. So we ask for the job, and then we ask God for a job, and then we trade him in for it. And this is what he says. He says in verse 4, You shall not make for yourself the carved image or, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is, un, that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord, your God, and my jealous God. He leaves no room for anything else to be your God. Nothing else. He wants to be your number one. And it says in there that he is a jealous God. Do you think of God that way? That he's jealous for me? Like, that God wants your attention so much that there's some jealousy inside God when you give that, when you give something else his spot. It kind of tells you something about who he is. He wants you to be, he wants to be your number one. This commandment, I just think, can be the hardest for us. Martin Luther says this, where the heart is rightly set towards God and, and this commandment is observed, all the other commandments follow. When we get this commandment right, all others fall in place. When we get this commandment right, we love our spouses the way we're supposed to. When we get this, this commandment right, we, we, we love our children. When we get the first commandment right, we love our neighbors the way we're supposed to. And if we were to be honest, and we were to, to check our hearts and, 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 and really pray about it, we'd recognize that there, is, there are definitely times in our lives where we are not putting God first and there's times where we need to, where we need to stop and we need to confess that sin. And it's funny because the very thing that God asks for us is the very thing that he gives to us. God, through his only son, Jesus, 
put us first when he stepped into this world to die for our inability to put him first. And that is what he has called us to do. Therefore, it says, he, he had to be made like us in every respect that Jesus, so that he might become merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiations for our sins and for the sins of all people. You know, it is Jesus Christ who goes to the cross and forgives us of our sins. He's the one who forgives us of, of not placing God first. We're like in our own wilderness, just like the Israelites. We wander this world, and, and, and in our wanderings, we find things that we love, and we place them above God. And Jesus dies for that sin. So as we move forward in this sermon series, I'm hoping that we see that how can we put God first? How can we live in, 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 in the grace and the forgiveness of knowing that we don't always do that as well? So today, let us confess our sins. Let us pray and, and, and seek God's face and confess with our hearts and our minds and our souls and give thanks to him for dying for those sins of, of, of breaking that first commandment. Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for uh, all that you give to us and all that you bless us with. Lord, there are definitely times when, when, when we think that we're placing you first, and Lord, would you convict us, and could you, would you move, and would you show us how we can put you first? Lord, and when we don't, thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for, for forgiving selfish Brandon. Continue to work in all of us, Lord, in this way. In your name we pray, amen.